Hey, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, I'm thankful to get to be here with you tonight. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of John. We're going to be in chapter 10. John chapter 10. Um, if anybody's like, hey, man, we saw a video last week. Yeah, <laughs> you did. Uh, made a little bit of a mistake last week and uh, played the wrong video. So we uh, played last, this week's video last week and thought, you know what, let's just run it back. Let's just run it back. And if you're feeling like gypped because you're like, man, I missed out on that video, don't worry, you'll get a, you'll get a chance. All these are going to be posted so you can see them and come back to them. And also, I just want to let you know that um, we sat down and uh, had long conversations with all of these different people. And man, so much good stuff came out. And, and maybe you've been seeing some of these videos and some of these interviews and you're like, oh, I just want to hear more of what Suzanne had to say. If only I could hear more of what Natalie or Joey had to say. You're going to get the chance. You're in luck. Uh, we have two weeks left of this series, two weeks after this week, and uh, at the very end, we're going to release longer form versions of each and every one of these videos, basically to just give so much more of that content that these people shared as they discussed these topics. So at the end of the series, there's going to be a, a longer form, maybe like 15, 20 minute video um, based off each and every one of these topics we've done from like, do you have a line tonight? Who do you follow? Mind's attention, heart's affection. Like, what is it we're truly going for? And so you'll have the opportunity to hear more of what they had to say. And I just want to encourage you to do it. Uh, be looking forward to that because there's so much good, so, so much good uh, that came out of that stuff. Even stuff that we've been preaching, some of it, a lot of it actually was shaped from the discussions that were done there, the way the Lord revealed the things we need to be talking about through the conversations these people were having. It's so good. And a lot of them say stuff way better than we do. So check it out. It'll be worth it. Um, of course, tonight we're talking about this stuff, right? Uh, we're continuing in the series. If you're new here, uh, we've been talking about what has our mind's attention, has our heart's affection, and of course the internet and screens and all this stuff has an impact on our attention, where our attention goes, and therefore has a huge impact on our affections, on the things we love, on the things we pursue. And so I love how Sarah phrased it the first week um, of the series when she spoke, and um, she said that our mind's attention is a spiritual discipline. Now, that it, it really is like the bedrock of all the spiritual disciplines. Uh, by the way, spiritual disciplines, things like prayer, scripture reading, uh, fasting, all of these things are, are in many ways just tools in the tool belt to help focus our attention on God. And from that, our affection for him grows. And so at the heart of this is, is uh, focusing our attention, drawing our attention. We have to be aware of where our attention is going. And where we channel our attention, it straight up transforms our affections. Like, you be thinking about this because you're going to have to answer this question later. Have you ever seen where your attention went impacting your affections? Have you ever seen that happen in your life? Just ponder it for a moment. Ponder it as we go through this series, or as I go through this message tonight. Because I bet you have. I bet you have. And if you haven't slowed down enough to actually think about those things, then uh, I think you will do well to do so because it may not even be bad things. It may be wonderful things. And you saw oh, when I put my attention towards this thing, wow, my life was so much better. I, my love for serving others grew or whatever it might be. But we need to be aware. We need to be self-aware of what's going on, what's going on within us, what's going on around us, and how that's impacting us. So... Uh, we got to let God capture our heart's affection, right? 
Yeah. Uh, I've said it before that um, the first step in loving another is to give them our attention. The first step for you to love anyone is to give them your attention. It all flows from there. And the same is true for your friends. This is true for your friends. It's true for your parents. It's true for a romantic interest. It's true for God. It's true for kids, if any of you have children. The first step in loving them is to actually, actually look at them, and see them, and give them our attention. And from there, we are actually able to love them. And I love that our God is so kind. He, he models this so, so beautifully to us. He gives us his attention and his affection so diligently, so faithfully. He bends his ear to us constantly and is right there waiting. He's such a joyful, loving father. He's so kind. And it's for our own good. It's for our own blessing that he calls us. He instructs us to focus our attention to him and to build our affection for him. It's for our own good. It's for your own good. So John chapter 10, that's going to be our passage tonight. We're going to start at verse 1. And this is Jesus talking. And uh, this is good stuff, guys. All right? It's good stuff. So oh, I'm going to turn that over because that's going to be distracting. All right. I should put it in my pocket. No, it'll buzz. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> this is helpful. By the way, if you ever do public speaking, don't bring your phone. Okay. Because really, it'll get you. It really does. Okay. Where was I? Verse 1. Jesus talking. Here he says, he says, Very truly I tell you, and he's talking to the Pharisees, right? Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a robber. So, there's only one legitimate way into the sheep pen, right? There's only one legitimate way. The only way for a thief to get in is by illegitimate means. By illegitimate means. Here's the thing. Thieves get in. They get in. They're getting in all the time. But keep listening because Jesus is going to explain how even when the thief does get in, that the sheep, they have another safeguard. That we, his sheep, have another safeguard. By the way, if you're, you'll get this if you haven't yet. We are the sheep, okay? You know, God's people. All right. He continues, verse 2. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate to him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Sorry. Where did I go? Leads them out. Okay, there we go. Touch screens. I hit it and it went and then I was like, dang it. Okay. I'll start that verse over. Verse three. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. Talking about the shepherd. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. All right, so figure of speech, allegory, I think you guys are picking up on it. But a little factoid here, like this whole interaction between the sheep and the shepherd, this like relationship between them here, that's just how it works. Like maybe not in like commercial farming now, I don't know. But like, you know, for most of the world and all of human history, this is how it works. 
Like legitimately, like the sheep will learn the sound of the shepherd's voice and they just follow it because, because they know it and because it's trustworthy. And anything that's not the shepherd, they ignore or even run from. That's just how it works. It may seem like you're like, what? My dog doesn't call and it knows its name and I feed it. Like, yes, but with sheep, they're very simple, just like us. They know the shepherd's voice and they follow it. It's just that simple. They know it and they follow it. And so this is common knowledge. Like in this day, this was totally common knowledge. It's like, "Uh uh-huh, okay. So Jesus is telling this and the Pharisees are like, yeah, yeah, and? (laughs) Like, okay, yeah, sheep do that. We get it. What's your point? Like like they weren't tracking with him, right? So he continues in verse eight. It says, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. All right, that's the safeguard, right? I was talking about earlier. Like the thief can jump in, and, and, but the sheep won't follow him because they know it's not their shepherd's voice. So verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. All right, so at this point, right, as we're going, people have been listening, and they're kind of divided on what's going on. And that some aren't tracking, like they don't get it. And it's mostly because they just don't really want to get it. They're not trying that hard. I think all of you guys get it, right? You're kind of tracking, probably. The sheep, uh, that's us, that's God's people. The shepherd, that's God. You know, like it's, it's making sense, but they're like stubborn. They don't want to know. And so many of them said, this man's demon possessed. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's raving mad. Why listen to him? He's talking nonsense. Of course, it's not nonsense, but it's just simple. But they don't want to understand. So they're like, ah, he's raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Aha, that was the thing that was preventing them from wanting to know. They were just mad at the guy because they didn't get him. How could he do that? Prior to this, he opened the eyes of the blind and they just didn't get it. They didn't want to get it. They said, something is off here with this man because he upsets everything that I know. Everything I understand about this world, he's, it doesn't make sense. And so whatever he's saying, I, I just can't. I, no, he's mad. He's got to be... He's, demon-possessed. They didn't want to believe. But others are like, man, but did you see that? Like, a blind guy was healed. And this stuff, I I think I'm tracking, right? So people are like, on both sides of this, eventually some of them asked to clarify, like, how long, Jesus, like, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, just tell us plainly. Like, please just tell us plainly. And Jesus answers them like this. He says, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. Like, he's healing, he's healing people. He's doing all these miraculous signs. He's speaking the words of God. And he's giving all the glory to, to his Father. He, he's doing these amazing things. There's ample testimony about who he is. Verse 26, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. He continues with the allegory, right? Sheep, shepherd, God, his people. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So verse 26, right? He says, basically, you're, you're not my sheep. Now, I just want to clarify there for a moment. I don't believe that this was deterministic. I don't think he's saying, like, you're not my sheep and never will be. He's just calling out how it is right now. He's saying, you're not listening. You're not following. You're, you're not my sheep. doesn't mean you can't become my sheep. doesn't mean you can't start listening. doesn't mean you can't start following. It doesn't mean you can't start believing. But right now, you're not my sheep. All right? He defines here clearly what it is to be one of his sheep. It's those who know his voice and follow him. Know his voice and follow him. Like following Jesus, learning the nuance of his voice, the soft, sweet tones, the feelings, the all, seeing. I mean, it's just the way God communicates is manifold, and he communicates specifically and specially to each and every one of us. He knows us. He knows us. Following Jesus and learning the nuance of his voice. It's a profound safeguard for each and every one of us. And why? So that we won't be led astray by all sorts of clever-sounding arguments and teachings. So that we might not be cut off and separated from the fold by painful life experience or overindulgence in the world's pleasures. Knowing God's voice following him protects us from the thief that is constantly jumping over the fences and attacking us and enticing us. He's constantly doing it. And if you're feeling like, man, I came into the church, I, I gave my life to Jesus, I was baptized, why am I still attacked? It's because the thief hasn't given up yet. He's still jumping in. And guess what? There's still more you can do. Learn the shepherd's voice. And you'll know who and where to run. You'll know who to follow, who to run away from. You'll know what to take in, what to leave behind. And you'll be better off, and everybody around you will be better off for it. And this brings us to our question of the week. Who are you following? And what voices are you tuning your heart to? Who are you following? And what voices are you tuning your heart to? Like, our phones, right? These screens, technology, the internet, it plays a role in this. It plays a huge role in this. Like our phones are a tool for influencing you. It's a tool for influencing you. Who and what are you allowing to influence you? Will it lead you into life with God or into death? Which is it? Which is it doing? Like, who do you follow on social media? What YouTube channels do you subscribe to? What shows do you binge? And what are the tones and the content even of the characters on those shows? How much news do you consume? What is that news? How much scripture are you steeped in? Are you regularly like reflecting upon the lives and relationships and practices of those that you'd like to become like? Whose thoughts and rhetoric do you ponder? Who do you emulate? Who do you model your life after? If we were to be a people who can discern the Lord's voice in the midst of so much noise, all of those things matter. And they must be considered. 
we have to consider them. We have to reflect upon them and evaluate them. And I like how Sabrina said that something that might be good now might not always be. It's not something we do once. It's something we are constantly in the process of because listening to his voice is a constant process. It's not a one-time thing. So we're constantly saying, where are you going, Lord? And where are you leading me? I'll go there. I'll go there. What are you leading me away from? I'll lead, I'm going. We've got to constantly evaluate and asking and seeking. I'll put it this way. Examples are the guide for the life we live. Examples are the guide for the life we live. You and I are being led into who we will be by those we observe and listen to. Like Jesus has our best interest in mind. He is the good shepherd, and we will do well for ourselves and others if we like attune our hearts to his voice and follow him. But my suspicion for you, because it's a part of my own experience, is that many of us are drowning out his voice with all the noise and even like filth that we saturate ourselves with via technology. We can make wiser choices and we will be better off for it. The world will be better off for it if we, God's people, make wiser choices. Examples are the guide for the life we live. And that's why Jesus calls us to his voice and to follow his example. Uh, to word this another way, what you scroll is what you'll become. What you scroll is what you'll become. And like, some of you are like, yeah, that's good. Others are like, come on, Brian, please. That, the social media is not that powerful. It's not that deterministic. You're just being dramatic. Yeah, I am. I'm being dramatic. I'm using hyperbole to make a point. Because far too many of us underestimate the power and impact there is on us from what we scroll. So I'm overstating it. I'm totally overstating it to, to get us to recognize the impact it does have, which is super significant. What you scroll is what you will become because examples are the guides for our lives. The examples we focus our attention on will literally, like in our in our consciousness, but also in our subconsciousness, subconsciously, our examples will shape our thoughts, responses, and actions. And that is why, like, not many of you are parents, but you'll still relate to this. I think perhaps every parent, I don't know, but probably every parent has said or thought at some point in their life, like, I don't ever want to speak to or treat my child the way my parents did in that situation or at that time. You have some thought about that. And then years later, you're on your last nerve. The kid has pushed you and pushed you. And like frustration and anger, or maybe it's even just tiredness, has given you to the, gotten you to this place where you just straight move out of consciousness and default. <laughs> you just like short circuit to your examples. And you respond to the child with the same tone or phrase your parents spoke to you with. Why? Why? Because that is the model that we had. For most of us, our own parents are the example of most prominence. And that's really important. The example of most prominence in our lives when it comes to parenting. And so if you want to parent differently than your parents parented you, the best thing you can do is to find a new example. Find someone you admire and spend time with them. Be around them. Observe them experience their reactions, their self-control, be exposed to them when they're emotionally compromised. 
See them when they try to respond rather than react. See them when they fail and how they respond to that. Get a new example. See, what they do and who they are will be a new template for you, a new example to reference consciously and subconsciously when you encounter the situations that you've seen them encounter. And this may sound silly to you, right? Like, or maybe it doesn't. It may sound really hard. And it is, but like, like, okay, even like simple things matter. Like if you're watching Leave It to Beaver all the time, you're getting a certain example of what parenting looks like. We'll just stick on the parenting thing. You're seeing them act in a certain way, have a certain rhythm to their day and the way they look at each other, the way they respond to failure, the way they uh, correct. You're, you're seeing something and, and there's, there's something to that, right? There's, there's value there um, and there might also be not value. I don't know. We've, we've got to work on it. I don't watch that much Leave It to Beaver to know, so I got to kind of give the... I have to, you know, caveat that, I guess. But, but then, like, somebody give me a show. Dance Moms. I don't know. I've never seen Dance Moms, but I've seen a preview, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> right? If you're watching that, okay, so I guess I'm right. Okay, yeah. If you're watching that all the time, now you have a whole other example. And, and it's foolish to think it's not impacting you. It's informing you of something. Now, to the degree it informs you totally depends on how much you, you focus your attention on it. Also, is that your only example? Do you have other examples? Like, like what, what is the example of most prominence? Where are you putting your attention? Even the little things, it adds up. It impacts. The examples we see impact who we are. I love Romans 12, right? says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That way you may be able to test and approve what God's will is. Be transformed in our minds so that we may even know who he is and what he wants. And transformation is not just about learning new things. You can't, you can't just be transformed by knowing something new. I think we've all experienced that. You're like, I know what to do and I don't do it. Like, I know I shouldn't yell and then I yelled. Why? Because we may know it, but we haven't yet been transformed. Transformation is something different. It's becoming different. And examples, examples, like aka, like the, the behaviors and attitudes of those we regularly observe and follow will shape us. They will transform us in one way or another. Our examples will shape us. They will form us. So if we want to be transformed to be more like Christ, we need to do what it takes to be observers of his example and to be wise about those other examples that are unlike him. I say wise because we're never going to escape him. We shouldn't shun them, but we need to be wise about them. Every day we are taking in examples, like even something like how to navigate a difficult conversation. Like when you have seen someone handle a difficult conversation well, you now have a reference for how a difficult conversation can be handled. Maybe, maybe you knew like, oh, there's probably a way to navigate that. But until you see it, you're like, oh, that's how you do it. Now you have a reference for how. And it goes deep down within you. You may not even notice it, but some other time it comes up in a moment and it's useful. 
That's a part of transformation. When you see a person respond with grace and patience in the face of another person's anger, boom, example. Of course, the opposite is true, right? If you only see people emotionally like vomiting on social media, anytime something sad or unjust happens, then that is your example of how you should handle your own visceral-like visceral emotions and reactions when you see unjust things. And I'll just say, I don't think that's a good example. Like, that may be our, the norm of our world, but I don't think that's a good template for any of us to be following. If the examples of most prominence in your life are of people speaking with hatred and dismissiveness to those who disagree with them, then you're being shaped by that to do likewise. And that's not in alignment with Jesus' example. I love what Paul states in 1 Corinthians 11. He's so bold, man. He just says, follow my example as I follow Jesus. Follow me as I follow Jesus. Anybody in here feel like you're ready to say that? Bold. My hope and my prayer for every one of us is that we may become so disciplined in our devotion that we can say, like Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. So it's not just about us finding our own examples. This isn't just about us finding our own. It's about us becoming an example. We may not be the oldest people in this church, but we got to start thinking like old people now. Because then when we are old, we'll be way better off. So be thinking about not just how do I get what I need for this life. Be thinking about how do I become what the next person behind me is going to need. The rest of this world needs examples. Let's start becoming the example so the generation that follows us is better off because they can look to us and go, ah, that's what it looks like to be like Jesus. That's what it looks like to ask a girl out on a date with confidence and not be rude. That's what it looks like to not to honor a guy who asks you out and shows interest. Okay, oh, I won't go there. We'll, we will another time. We got more planned. Be prepared. You know, for me personally, like, I've held firmly in my life for the most part to what Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy. He says to him, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they only produce fights. How many people in here would be like, yeah, I probably need to memorize that verse. <laughs> I think our whole world needs to memorize that verse. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, ignorant arguments, because you know they only produce fights. Now, I imperfectly, so imperfectly, totally imperfectly, but with some consistency in my life, I've lived out the example of Jesus expressed here in this verse by Paul. To be wise and not enter into arguments that show no promise of resolution, only dissension and contempt. Like I've been the person uh, often that, that diffuses arguments or steps back from the argument, swallowing the defense of my position when I see that it will be fruitless to even offer it. And yet recently, the last couple of years, I've been aware, recently I've been aware of how far from that I've wandered. Over the years, especially these last two, 2020, 2021, I've let go of this example of Christ. And I've been steeped in the examples of others who never back down, who always have a rebuttal, whose tone reflects the contempt and pride that they have within their own hearts. And 
I can be drawn into anger. The need to win, I can be drawn into taking a side even when I know I have no need to take one. I know it, but yet the examples I've been steeped in have led me into doing so again and again when I'm like, I know not to do this. I know the verse. But why do I keep doing it? The examples I've given a prominent place in my life have enticed me into foolish arguments because they example this foolishness themselves. And I've given it prominence in my life. And this means doing things differently. Noticing this means I I have to be wiser about the decisions I make about who I let influence me because it's impacting me. I'm seeing it impact me. Like there are people whose insight is valuable, whose opinions may be absolutely true. And yet I need to be intentional because their tone and their heart is so unchristlike. And I am susceptible to reflecting not just their ideas, but their whole spirit. And if it doesn't align with Christ, then I need to be cautious about inviting that to influence me. I need to be cautious about it. This brings me to the next point. How do we know his voice and follow it? How? I have two, two things to say here. The first, to encourage you, uh, turn down the volume of those voices that compete with his. Turn down the volume of those voices that compete with his. Be willing to let go of things that have become a norm for you. If they're getting in the way of you hearing him, let go of it. Move on. Three points for how to know his voice and follow it. One, be in the Bible. Like, I think most of us read more than we think we do just by scrolling social media and checking the news on our phone. What if you redirected that to Scripture? Like, what if instead of another podcast, and, and okay, if I give you, like, the benefit of the doubt here, like, I'm benefit of the doubt. Let's say almost, let's say the podcasts you listen to are, like, all theological, and you, like, pretty much only listen to sermons or, like, you know, Christian influencers or something. I, something about that makes me feel gross even saying that. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't know why. Uh, okay, apparently I'm hitting on something. Okay, good. The spirit was... <laughs> like, if I give you the benefit of the doubt, and it's just like, all you listen to is Christian theologian stuff, right? What if you replace that with scripture? Like, like over the last... Uh, well, it was like maybe a year ago, I think. Do you... Madison remembers. Uh, do you guys remember when we did the series in 1 John? Yeah? yeah? And we started that whole series in 1 John. Madison and Jake, they came up, and instead of having a sermon, they just sat down, and for the benefit of all of us, they just read through 1 John. That, there was no commentary. It was just, here's the word of God, my people. And man, it was impactful. I think any of you who are here, you might remember, it was like, wow, that was powerful. It was like the first chapter, the first two, you're kind of like, okay, okay. But then by the third, it's like tears. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, it is alive. His word is alive. It's powerful. He's here. It's so good. Like we put our headphones in and we listen to others talking about their friendship with Jesus and their insights from scripture when we can go to the source ourselves have our own friendship with Jesus, uh, learn our own insights from scripture. 
So be in the Bible. If you want to know his voice, be in the Bible. Number two, be with his people. Like we're a flawed bunch, right? And I think most of us, not just this room, like we're flawed, but we can also just think of like, picture in your mind what you would think random person, I'm just kidding, from New York, who doesn't know anything about Jesus, who only watches the news and has some like caricature of what God is like because of his church that they see. Would you say that represents Jesus well, who he actually is? Probably not. I hope not, actually, because at least from what I see, I don't think we represent him. That We're pretty flawed. Like, the church is pretty flawed. And yet, God, in his incredible graciousness and kindness, has invited us to participate, not just in knowing him, but actually revealing him. In the midst of all of our flawedness, he invites each and every one of us and us collectively to participate in revealing who he is, just, not just to the world around us, but to one another. We can see who he is through us. That's wild. Even in the midst of all our messed up brokenness, who God is, who Jesus is, what he is like manifests in us in these moments and places, and it comes out. If you want to know who Jesus is, be with his people. And you'll have to do the work of sorting out what is of him and what isn't, but you'll see him, you'll find him, and you'll have the help with those around you to know what is of him and what isn't. I love how Ephesians 4.13, Paul writes, uh, he's like, Christ gave us one another to build each other up. And then he says, until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of the Son of God, that we are mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. He's given us one another to know who God is. We can get to know Jesus by being with his people. Because we are his body and he uses all of us to reveal himself to one another and to the world. No matter how imperfect that is. So be with his people. And the last one of these three points here is be in prayer. Like slow down to be quiet and with him. And just make other decisions. I think I'll just put it that way. Just make different decisions. Like it's, not that hard. Like, I, I think how often it's like thinking about what do I have to do uh, next week? Well, and I think not just what I have to do, I think of what I want to do. Uh, I, well, I really wanted to catch up on that show because I'm going to hang out with Steve later and we talk about that show often. And how would it be different if instead of like, it's just one show. Uh, I can do that later. I don't need to do that. I just want to do that. I need to be with Jesus. I need to know his voice. Amen. Slow down and be quiet with him. Enter into the process. And it is a process. It's not something that happens in a moment. It is a process. Our entire lives, till the day you die, and we see him face to face, and it's like, oh, there, there you are. It's constantly a process of pulling back the veil as much as we can, saying, Lord, I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to hear you. What do you, what do you sound like? Where's your voice? Constantly pulling it back. Join in. Enter in onto that process of tuning our minds to his spirit and to his word. Be in prayer. The second point here is follow him faithfully in what he has already spoken to you. 
If you want to know God's voice, follow him faithfully in what he's already shared. Like even if you don't have a clear perception of what his voice sounds like, go in the direction you last heard him speaking. Like open the Bible. Follow him by doing what is clearly communicated in it, in those pages. And follow through on what he has already expressed. Head in the direction that he is. And yet as you get closer and closer to him, his voice will become clearer and clearer. Move. Go. Act. Faith is not passive. It's active. Get to it. Follow him faithfully in what he has already spoken to you. Hmm. So, here's what we're going to do now. Going back to uh, being with his people. Well, here we are. We have a wonderful opportunity, I would say. We're here tonight together as a community, and Christ has equipped us. And I think we're ready for building each other up in maturity and the knowledge of Christ. Here we are, right? Let's not waste this opportunity. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to engage with one another. We're going to have a time to discuss and talk. And actually, uh, could you put those questions up there? Um, So here's what you're going to do. I want to encourage you. We're going to take, I don't know, 10 minutes. I'll fill it out. We'll see how it goes. Uh, And you're going to turn to three, five people around you, whatever it might be, just turn around to the people around you. And I'd, I'd encourage you maybe start with an introduction, you know, like, hi, I'm Brian. Uh, and depending on how that goes, <laughs> maybe start diving into one or more of these questions. Just start discussing it. Because my hope and my belief is that the Spirit of God is with us. And I think, uh, you know, I can get up here and I can share and I can speak. And, and Lord willing, there's, there's fruit in that and it's effective and it's good. And yet, you know what? I'm super limited. I'm not all of you. <laughs> if you, you can sit here and listen to me, but how much more can come about if you turn and talk to four or five other people who also have the Spirit of the Lord in them? Or even maybe if you don't know Jesus, but just processing, we all will be better off if we do it together. So that's what we're going to do. I want you to turn around the people around you, get to know some people, and just start talking and see what the Lord has. Um, I will say, and I'll come up, I'll give like a two-minute, like, Two-minute wrap-up time. That way you're not like, wait, is he coming? Wait. When do we stop? I'll give like a little slowdown for that so it's not awkward. Uh, yeah. Let's do it. Let's get to it. Did you find it? All right, everybody. It's so wonderful. So, so wonderful just to hear everybody talking. It's so good, man. I want to encourage you at the end of service, um, uh, we'll put that slide back up with those questions um, so that if you just want to take those and ponder them yourself or as you move after the service, and hopefully maybe you met someone new or even just the people you came with, um, a conversation was started and uh, continue it. Why not? You know, if somebody was halfway, if somebody was like in the middle of explaining and you're like, oh man, that person didn't get to share. Um, there's time after service. You can be like, hey, I wanted, you were sharing and I, I don't want to miss out on what, what you were saying. Um, let's be that kind of a people 
who is curious about others, who cares about them, who gives them our attention. Right? Yeah. So good. Uh, as we um, continue in worship and close out, uh, I just want to give you this one last encouragement. And I, and I, hope, I hope you take it to heart. Find and follow people who exemplify what you yourself want to become. Find and follow people who exemplify what you yourself want to become. And my hope and my prayer is that who you want to become is Christ himself. You want to become more and more like Christ himself, who lived and loved in the fullness of grace and truth to the blessing and honor of every person who came in contact with him and every person who comes in contact with him still. We too can live a life that reflects Jesus and leaves the world and the people we encounter with a little whiff of Christ's beautiful aroma. Like who we follow, who we let influence us greatly impacts our becoming that beautiful aroma or becoming a stench that just adds to the foulness of this world. Who we follow matters because who we follow makes us who we are and who we will become. Father God, I thank you that you are so kind and you have showered us with your attention and your affection. And Father, help. Help us. Just help us. I think of that man who came to you with his son and said, uh, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, help us in our unbelief. Give us people around side us, like how you gave Moses, Aaron, who could hold his arms up, who could speak for him, who could speak into him. Lord, uh, you gave Moses uh, his father-in-law, Jethro, to help him when he needed it. Lord, help us. Give us the people around us that we need to live the life that you desire for us. Bring people around us, Lord, who look like you. Help us to say no to those things that don't look like you. Help us to see what is unhelpful, what is destructive, and have the self-discipline to turn from it, to turn to better things, to turn to you. Lord, make us more like you, not just for our sake, but for the sake of all those who follow behind us, for the sake of our children and our children's children. Lord, we need more of you. We need more of you, Jesus. We love you. And all God's people say, 